0: Um, I'm Alex I'm an alcoholic um, hey guys um, I just want to welcome all the newcomers and the people visiting from out of town and um, this is my whole my home group um, the noons are my home group and that's where I got sober um, and I just started working some steps and um, my sobriety date is March 13 2018 for that I'm very grateful I have a year and two days sober. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, Yeah, that blows my mind. I didn't think I would be able to make it. I thought I was a could not or a would not, like the book talks about and how it works. And I just thought I I couldn't live this way of life and I just couldn't be honest with myself. And then drugs and alcohol made me have to be honest, you know, and, and truly attempt this thing with everything I got. And um, I guess, and it says in the book that, and I'm going to allude a lot to the book, um, because that's really, I know the book really well. I read it a lot, and I still read it a lot. Um, But yeah, it says in the book that, you know, we talk about what it was like, what happened, and what it's like now. So that's what I'm going to do, and I'm going to try not to bore you guys and be a little entertaining. Uh, My story is kind of entertaining, and I just want to tell everyone, like, you don't have to go to the lengths that I did to prove yourself an alcoholic or an addict. And so, um, yeah, I was born in Houston, um, in Missouri city and I have a Mexican mom and then an American dad and tech, like Texan dad. And, um, are yeah, my whole family, his whole family has been in Texas for years and years, but, um, yeah. And so I was born in Houston and I've always kind of been a weirdo, you know what I mean? Um, I remember, and maybe you guys can relate to this, but I always felt like there was something wrong with me, like I had a defect, you know what I mean? But then at the same time, I was like waiting for my superpowers to kick in. Um, so, so yeah, I was just a weirdo, and I remember, um, and this is a weird memory that came to me, and um, which just kind of explains my what it was like for me having that first drink but whenever I was six years old that wasn't when I had my first drink it was 12 (laughs) but this is a story I was six and I was at this kind of like a pool party in the indoor pool like the kind of learning swimming centers and um and so there was this giant frog slide and like the tongue was the slide and these girls and they're, they're a little older than me, but they're going down the slide and then I decide to go down it and as soon as before I hit the water when I was in the air, I'm like, oh my God, I can't swim. You know what I mean? And so I started drowning and I remember I was terrified and I was scared I was going to die. And then I went under and then all of a sudden, like everything, they say like drowning is a peaceful death. And like, I just, everything was beautiful. Like the, the water was crystal clear and I I felt euphoric, if that sounds crazy. And like, I've never felt that feeling ever again until I had my first drink when I was 12, you know? And I remember they, they got me out of the water, the lifeguard, and I was crying and embarrassed. But, um, but yeah, I had my first drink. Um, I moved to Austin when i was eight and i kind of i became more weird i i like to hang out with the weirdos and then i realized like i'm a weirdo you know what i mean and so i was 12 and um i remember and for me i uh, i say i'm like i'm an alcoholic um i have done a lot of drugs and obviously i'm still an addict but for me like alcohol that was my first love and like (laughs) <laughs> like, it always starts with the bottle. Like, every run I've had, it always starts with a bottle. And so I was 12, and, and I was at, like, I remember exactly the night, and a lot of people have this, and I've heard people say, like, like it's not normal for people to remember their first drink. You know, like, do you remember your first taco? You know what I mean. and so, and so I was like, at this little Christmas party, and my mom had my mom's a huge drinker. I don't know whether or not she's an alcoholic, but she's a hard drinker. And, and that's not for me to decide. But she has this huge liquor cabinet. And so I remember there was a Grey Goose vodka, like a fifth of it just out, and then, like, a bunch of other liquor. But for some reason, the vodka was calling me, which is, like, my my drink of choice, like, vodka and gin. And um, and so I had, like, we had some Diet Coke. And, like, you know when you're young, you don't know the measurements of alcohol, you know what I mean? So you drink way too much. Um, well, whatever, I drank way too much my whole career. But And so I poured, like like this much vodka and like a splash of diet coke and i had like three of those or four of those and i remember like i got sick and i like but i was looking in the mirror and like for the first time and i'm 12 years old mind you i felt sexy guys (laughs) like i know that sounds crazy but like i felt i felt comfortable in my own skin you know? And, um, and then I remember I was like over the toilet and I remember thinking like, this is awesome. You know, like I didn't care about getting sick. I just felt, I just felt this euphoria. And so, and I had smoked weed before and like, I, I always smoked weed, but like for me, alcohol was really, really, um, my first love. And so I, um, I kind of kept getting in trouble in school, like alcohol. And I became kind of just like, I was a truant. Do you guys know what that means? Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, yeah. I just yeah. would not really show up to school. And then they'd make me go to Saturday school, oh. which I was like, whatever. Like, I just, and I just drank as much as I could um, and then started using drugs. And, um, and so, and then I'd kind of end up going to hospitals, like having to be hospitalized for my drinking and my drug use. And then like, I even went to the psych ward at one point. Um, And then finally I came to the rooms of Alcoholics Anonymous At a really young age when I was 15 And um, I remember going to my first meeting I'm like walking up to it and like, it was at a church and there's a bunch of people like chain smoking cigarettes outside. So I was like, those are probably my people, you know, the meeting people. And so I'm kind of like confused. And this woman says, hey, are you? have you been to this meeting before? I haven't seen you. And I said, no. And she's like, oh, let me introduce you to some people. So she introduced me to some people. Like I bummed a cigarette from someone and they didn't care that I was 15. And, um, and, and I was just like, so I went to the meeting and I have no fucking idea what anybody said, you know, but I remember people saying, all these like twisted, dark shit that they've done or that's happened to them and people just laughing about it. And I never understood that until I got sober this time and then realized like we have a solution now. You know, like we can laugh because we're not in that anymore and we don't have to be in that anymore ever again as long as we do the work, right? And so, um, let me see the time. Um, So I came into AA and I... And I kind of fucked around for a year and just kept on, I just kept on getting in trouble. Luckily, I, I never went to juvie um, at that age. The cops would just, like, take me home or call my parents. If I was, like, stealing or, like, you know, being publicly intoxicated um, They would or truant, they would just take me home. But um, I remember, like, alcohol just, I needed to drink. You know what I mean? And I always, like, I was kind of a drunk on the go. Like, I'd always have, like, a water bottle filled with vodka. You know, and I'd just be, like, out doing stuff. Um, or a drunk at home. I was just a drunk and, like, pills. I liked pills a lot. Whatever. It doesn't matter what I did. And so, and so finally, I was, I was 16. And that was a year being in the program, four years of drinking. And I just kind of had this moment of clarity after, like, a rough night. And I was kind of hungover. And I just had this moment of clarity, like, you're going to get sober. You know what I mean? Like, you're going to die. And so I ended up, and this is crazy, and I don't know how I did it, but I went to rehab. I detoxed myself, and I was just sweating and, like, shaky. And I went to, I went to rehab for, like, 45 days. And I, I got out, and I, I worked the steps, and I had the spiritual awakening, and I didn't have a drink for three years. Or anything. I was completely sober for three years in AA, like, but I was dry for a lot of that because I I just didn't know how important it is to do this with everything that I have, you know what I mean? And now that I've gotten way worse from that point, like I have to, I just have to do this with, be willing to go to any lengths for victory over alcohol. And so I ended up relapsing when I was, I guess, I guess I was 19 and I had this like nice office job, like kind of bookkeeping, like being a secretary for this nice home builder that made a lot, that very successful downtown. And um, I had this little dog that we rescued off the streets, um, Bowie. I named him after David Bowie like a month mm-hmm. or two months before he died. Um, and I, lo- I love that dog. I still have him. But, um, but yeah, he was just a little street mutt. And then, um, yeah, I had a nice car. I had an apartment. I was fully self-supporting. At this point, I had I had money in my bank account and I just kind of got to this point where I was just miserable in sobriety. I wasn't doing it. I kept like I wanted to work the steps again, but I just kept getting a sponsor and like not willing, not wanting to do that self-searching. You know, and it says in the big book that there is a solution. Almost none of us like the self-searching, the leveling of our pride, the confession of shortcomings, which the process requires for its successful consummation but we saw that it really worked in others and we had to come to believe in the hopelessness and futility of life as we'd once been living it. And at that point, I just forgot about the hopelessness and futility that I had. And so I remember I I got, I didn't have a fake ID because I was sober at this point, but I did later. But I got one of my friends to buy me um, a bottle of red wine. And I remember thinking like, I'm just gonna have two glasses and like smoke a joint, go to bed, not do any drugs. And, and I have, like, my glasses, when I drink, they're, like, goblets. You know what I mean? Um, and so I had, like, two goblets, which is the whole bottle of wine. And then I went to sleep and, like, woke up early the next morning and went to work. And I was like, oh, this is going to work. You know what I mean? And, like, literally, like, a week later, I'm, like, smoking crack. <laughs> You know what I mean? Because um, that's what it. Because whenever I can't find coke, I just go get crack. Because it's easy. To, I don't know. Whatever. Um, and so, and so, I, like my drinking got really out of control. I emptied my bank account because I do this thing where I save up money sober, and then I relapse and spend it all like very quickly. And so maybe you guys can relate. But. Um, but yeah, I um, I just alcohol kind of had a grip of me. I ended up I just went really broke, and all I had was money to drink, not really for drugs. And so I um, I would just buy a handle, and it lasts me like a day and a half. You know what I mean? And um, and I just drank, and I got really bodily ill. I um, one of my my friends who I just took to treatment recently, um, who we lived together for a little bit, he. I love drinking with him. And I told him this because he was like the only person that wouldn't judge me for my drinking because I like I thought he was worse than me, you know. But anyways, we drank hard one night and like I black out probably like 95 percent of the time that I drink. I black out Um, and I don't want to. I don't drink to black out. I drink to get drunk, to feel good. And then I always inadvertently black out. And so I remember I took him to work the next morning. He crashed at my place. And I'm taking him to work, and I realize, like, I'm kind of shaky, so I'm like, oh, God, like, this can't be, you know, the shakes. And so I'm, I'm, I'm super anxious. I just feel weird, and I, I drop him off at work, and, like, I can't leave the parking lot because I'm just shaking so much. And I somehow grab my phone to call my, um, my friends and just say, like, bring me alcohol now. And so they brought me alcohol. I'm trying to drink it. I can't. I'm throwing up. And then I go to my friend's house, and I'm, like, throwing up. And finally, I drink. I drink enough drinks, and then I felt sober. You know what I mean? And I knew, like, I can't live this way of life, right? And I, and I But I didn't want to get sober. You know what I mean? But I, I couldn't. I was at the jumping-off point. But the, I didn't get sober. I wish that was my last drink. But the next day, I um, – and this is kind of crazy – I um, I went to Bolded, and I, I was – I don't know why I'm laughing. I, uh, I took a bunch of pills and I was just drinking like a fifth and like an hour of alcohol. And I, I come to Bolden and I'm sitting in that chair right there in the corner. And like they said, is there any anyone under 30 days sober? And I just go, I just go, I'm, well, this time, oh, I, I should tell you guys, I changed my name. I used, my name used to be Sophia, and then I had this spiritual awakening in jail and changed my name to Alex. Um, so people kind of get confused, but anyways, uh, I'll tell you that story later, but um, let's see. So, I'm super drunk and I just go, I'm Sophia, I'm an alcoholic. And I'm like, I'm I'm high and drunk right now, I want to die. And, like, I'm about to, like, pass out and this woman comes up to me and she goes honey do you need and she's sober to this day she's sober I see her here and she and she goes honey and this is three years ago she goes honey do you you need to go to the hospital and I go no and then I woke (gasps) up in the hospital like that (laughs) night and um they're like no idea and like just shake just awful and I wish I could say that was my last drink but it wasn't and so and so I go to detox and I'm like you know I'm just luckily I didn't die you know what I mean but um and so I decide that I have friends in LA that are like, come to LA, like, get over here. And so I just decided I'm going to go to LA and um, ended up going to treatment out in Orange County and then just stayed out there. And like, I do this thing where it's like the geographic relocation, you know what I mean? Like, I'll be better somewhere else. And because uh, wherever I'm at, where I just came from, that's the problem. You know what I mean? Or the people I'm around—that's the problem, not me, right? I'm—I'm not the problem, you know. But then I realized, for me, the longest time, I wanted—I wanted to fix my problem, right? And then I realized I'm the problem, and I can't fix the problem, so my higher power has to. You know what I mean? But um, so yeah, I moved out there. I moved to Huntington Beach. I got this sponsor, (laughs) who was like. A hard ass oh my god she's like I don't even want you kissing boys in your first year like crazy like she'd I got tr- uh, tricked into a lineage do you guys know about those like where it's like here's your great grand sponsor your grand sponsor and then they're sponsees, and then you're like I was at the bottom of the lineage and which I'm just like what have I got myself into um, and I'm kind of in a lineage right now which is but my grand sponsor is in Iowa so I don't have to like you know but I got lucky in that one. But um but yeah, she um she told me, let's see. She told me, let me see, hang on. She read the book with me, and this is gonna this is gonna be relevant later, but Okay, she read the book with me and she said to flip to the first page, right? And I flipped to, I think I flipped to the doctor's opinion, or Bill's story, and she goes, no, the first piece of paper. And she shows me that, I flipped to this, and she goes, what is this? And I go, nothing. And she's like, this is what you know. (laughs) and so i know but i i i got um i have a lot of outside issues like mental issues and they were getting the best of me and then i i went to um they do a lot of like medical marijuana maintenance out there because it's legal um at that point it was just medical it wasn't legal yet until literally i moved but but um but I got my medical, my med card, and I thought, like, oh, I'm going to go to a doctor, and they're going to, like, write me a prescription. Like, no, they just, I just Skyped a doctor online, and he literally, I just checked, like, anxiety and insomnia, I think. And he's just like, oh, so you just want to chill and sleep, right? And I said, yeah. And he's like, okay, your prescription's coming in the mail. And, um, and so I did that, and uh, the marijuana maintenance lasted, like, I think it was a week or two. And then I just go back to what I know, which is drugs and alcohol. And so I, um, I kind of – my drinking – but the thing was, for my outside issues, I was taking medication that made me drowsy. And so this is how delusion I am. And it talks about in the big book how we have all these methods of control and it seems like we're gaining control, but, um, but it gets worse, never better, or something like that. And so, and so I thought, I'm going to have, like, three double screwdrivers – And with the third one, I'm going to take my sleeping pills. And then I'm going to pass out before I can go get in trouble. You know what I mean? And so I did that. I made that last six months, which was the most miserable I've ever been. Like, that was my control. I was the most miserable than when I was, like, out shooting dope. You know what I mean? And so I just... And so I, at the end, like my drinking got, and I wasn't drinking every single day. I was only drinking like five or six days a week. And I was only blacking out, I was only blacking out three times a week. And so towards the end. And so I went back to, I went back to to Austin to stay out of trouble. And I literally, I got back into Xanax and literally I go on this little Xanax bender and then literally like my second or third day back i get arrested for a DWI i got into two car accidents in one day the um the the or i, I like rear-ended this woman and then the cops came i took the rest of my drugs cuz i'm like i don't want them to find them and so and so then i'm driving back i'm driving to my sister's house cuz i'm like i need to go sleep there and so um So I'm just driving and then I remember thinking, that would suck if I got into a car accident and they hit and then I hit this car and I I barely remember anything. I remember them loading me into the ambulance and luckily I had no injuries. But I come to in the hospital and there's a bunch of cops and I go, am I under arrest? And they go, yes. And I go, "On what charges? And they said, DWI and possession of marijuana. I remember thinking like, oh my God, thank God. Because I thought I hurt these people. You know what I mean? And so I um, I ripped the IV out of my arm tried to escape. And, like, obviously I was too high. So they, they took me. And they took me away. And I went to jail for, like, a day and got bonded out or PR bonded out. And then I feared, like, Bill's story, fear sobered me up a bit and I, I stayed sober for three months. I lived with my mom or moved in with my mom, saved up a bunch of money, bought a plane ticket to Thailand, because that's another thing, I like traveling. And so I bought a plane ticket to Thailand and I remember on the plane ride there, and I wasn't working a program, I met with one sponsor and we didn't even touch the big book. All she did was talk about herself for an hour and that's not appealing to me. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, and so I'm, headed, I'm headed on the plane, which is a 13 hour flight. Um, just literally, I like flew from Austin, LA, LA to China, China to Thailand, but I'm flying, um, on my way in the big international flight. And, um, and I just remember thinking like, I'm, I'm going to drink and I didn't want to, but I just knew I was going to, and there's nothing I could do about it. You know, and that's how cunning this disease is. And so I get there and I didn't drink for three or four days. And then somebody, I bumped into these. Or these people invited me to go to a bar with them, and I just thought I'm just gonna have a couple drinks. Or I remember thinking like I'm just gonna have five or six drinks, um, and then uh, I did have five or six drinks, but I hadn't dr- dr- drank in three months, so I just got really drunk, blacked out, come to my hostel, really confused, and like I don't. I remember bits and pieces of Thailand, but um, and it was fun, but I wish I would have been sober, you know, because I like for me. Um, back when I was drinking, like I could have the best fucking day of my life, but it's not even that good. Cause I don't have God with me, you know? And I could, now I could have the worst day of my life and it's not even that bad. Cause I have God with me. Right. And so I, where was I? Thailand. Yeah. So I come back from Thailand and then I'm just off to the walls, <laughs> just doing just really just ba- bad. I mean, I uh, just really sketchy stuff. Um and like I remember like when I put a needle to my arm, I was just like I'm done. Not like I'm going to like I'm going to die. You know what I mean? And um and so everyone became really concerned for me. And my my employer, they suspended me. And I remember whenever they suspended me, we were we were just sitting, I was working at a juice bar and they um they were like, Are you are you doing drugs? It was the regional manager, she said, Are you doing drugs? And I go, No and she's like, Are you sure? And I go I smoke weed sometimes, should I not? And then, and then she goes, she goes, no, it's okay, we're totally supportive, like, we want you to get the help you need, and I just started bawling, and I'm like, I can't stop. And, um, and so they suspended me, and then I got into a more deeper depression, and I just spiraled out of control, and then my roommate threatened to call the cops on me, and then my parents found out what I was doing, and, um... And so everyone wanted me to go to rehab. And so I went to rehab in the park. And I remember this is how I stopped at the trap house on the way to detox, you know, like that's how unwilling I was. Um, and I just, that's just how powerful drugs are. And so I, I go to, I go to detox and then I go to rehab. And I remember my dad's driving me to rehab and we literally parked the car and I'm like, can we go back? 'Cause I didn't wanna go. And then um we were getting I was getting admitted and then I'm like, Can you unadmit me? And um, <laughs> which is and so I was there for like thirty five days and uh, met some cool people. I, I went to treatment and like I know of like four people that are dead now. You know, that I went to treatment with and that's only like the people that I kept in contact with. You know what I mean? And um and so I left treatment. I moved to Houston because I'm like Austin's my problem. I need to stay away from there. So I lived in Houston and I was miserable. I just, I just could not get willing. I was not willing to go to any lengths. I really tried. I really, really tried, but I just couldn't. And so I, and then one of like my rehab boyfriend died, and then uh, my grandpa died on the same day. And then uh, this guy I was seeing, he, this was the last straw. This guy I was dating was like, "We should slow it down. We should go on a break." And in my mind, I'm like, "He's breaking up with me." And to this day, he's like, "I was not breaking up with you." But um, and so I uh, I went to Randall's, and um, which is huge in Houston. And I, I remember I was at the like the liquor stores were closed. Usually my go to is liquor, and then my secondary is wine. And so I I went to Randall's and I was in the wine aisle and I kept like walking from the wine aisle to the front door and I'm just like turning around and like, oh my God, should I do this? And I remember thinking this and it's so sick and maybe it's true, but I remember reaching for one of the bottles and thinking this is God's will. You know what I mean? And, um, and so I drank and then I just go back to what I know. And so I just shot dope for five days, and the only reason it was five days was because on the fifth day I got arrested, right? And, um, and I remember I, like, and this is, I mean, I wore story because it's, like, it says in the big book, like, tell him stories about your escapades, you know, and get him to tell you some of his when we're 12-stepping. But this is, this is my last drink. And so I, and I'll just, I'll just kind of, you know, not tell the short story. But I was, I got sent home from work cause I was too high and they told me to come back when I wasn't. And so, which I never came back. And so, and so I, um, I'm in the car and like, for me, I have like guys or girls I'm with running buddies, like they're the driver, you know, and I'm just in the passenger seat, like strung out. And so we, we go, we, I black out and I come to and we're buying a PCP cigarette from this old guy, this wet cigarette. And I go, is that PCP? And he goes, yeah, I do what's some. And he's handing it to me and I remember going, I don't like PCP and I take it. Uh-huh. And that is how I know I'm an alcoholic and a drug addict, guys. Like I do drugs I don't even like, you know, just cause it'll fuck me up. Cause it'll change the way that I feel. Cause I don't like how I feel a lot of the times when I'm sober without a program. Mm-hmm. And so then I, uh, the car turns into a giant spaceship, shoots up into the sky. <laughs> I come to, and I'm 50 miles east of Dallas, fly down in Houston, come to outside Dallas, and uh, I, I start. You get hysterical and violent, so I jumped in my car and I was screaming at my friend, ditched him, and then um, literally I, I'm leaving the neighborhood and I'm trying to turn onto the freeway, and you know those little like the kind of turn ons. Like, right by the access roads, and it kind of has a little ditch. Well, I ran over one of the signs, and it, like, obstructed my view of the fact that I was going to fall into a ditch. So I fell into that ditch, and um, and then somehow, like, got out of there. My car was barely drivable. I went to this motel, started screaming at the guy because he wouldn't let me use the phone. He calls the cops, and I remember, like, one of the cops had their guns like this, and I'm just thinking, like, don't fucking kill me, you know, and I was so scared. And then, um, and so they come... And then I uh, gave me a sobriety test. And I, I've, like, you know when you do a sobriety test, you're like, I got this. <laughs> like, I did not have it. Oh, my God. I couldn't even walk. And, uh, and okay, I'm, I think I'm pretty smart. Like, I'm a college girl. I'm, I'm well read. I, I think I'm smart. But he told me to put my hands behind my back. And I remember thinking, is this part of the test? <laughs> <laughs> and, um... Uh, <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I I don't I don't know. Maybe that makes me not smart, but um, I don't know. <laughs> Someone tell me I'm smart. No, I'm kidding. Uh, um, so yeah, he loads me in the cop car, and I remember like as soon as I sat down and we started pulling away, I remember thinking, "Good, I can be sober now." You know what I mean? Because um, that's like at this point, the only thing that could separate me from that drink was the law enforcement. You know, going to jail. And so, so we go to jail and i I just come to in the, in the little cell and um, people are going in and out and I'm like calling my family and I'm just like, will you please get me out? And everyone said, no, I'm calling my friends. Everyone said, no, everyone's sick of my shit. And so I call my dad and he said, no, I don't want to bail you out of jail. Cause I'm scared that you're gonna, I'm going to bail you out. You're going to go relapse or overdose and die. And that was his reasoning. And so it was, like, I'm safer in jail than out on the streets. And so and so I remember this was, like, the second or third day I was there. And I was just detoxing in there, and it was awful. I just slept for 48 hours. I couldn't eat. People like people were asking me. They're like, "Honey, do you want to eat? Like, do you want to eat your food?" Or like, they're waking me up, being like, do, "Do you need to go get your meds?" And like, they were literally helping me. Um, and so I go to to um, to court to so- go see the judge, and I get this this and this one this time I did not have dope in the car, and I'm so grateful I left my dope at home or over there. And so I just had a DWI, a second one. And so we go to the courthouse and I get a court appointed lawyer and I go to talk to him and he was like, oh, it says you have track marks. And he goes, um, he goes, you got to beat that devil because it kills your spirit before it kills your body. And I, I just started tearing up. Oh, my God. I was still detoxing. And I remember um, seeing there was this these group of people that worked at the courthouse and they, they just looked all clean and stuff. And um, there was this one woman with the most beautiful, like straight, silky, highlighted hair, and um, in like the cutest outfit. And this woman goes, I love your hair. And she goes, she's like, I told them to cut off three inches and they cut off, or sorry, I told them to cut off in half an inch, but they cut off three inches. And I remember thinking, like, oh, my God, I want that to be my biggest problem today. Um, and and, so, and so, um, so I go back to jail. And this is about, like, week two. I'm, uh, I'm in the trusty tank. And they're, they're real nice in the trusty tank. Like, they're not trying to get rolled. Do you know what I mean? And so, and so I'm in the trusty tank. And I'm just I'm war-storing with this one chick, this other dope fiend. And this woman goes, all you do is talk about drugs. And then I just start crying and I go, I can't stop shooting dope. And I'm just crying. And she goes to her bunk and she grabs this book. Not this exact one, but another one. Um, She grabs this book and she puts it in. She pretty much like slams it down in front of me. And then I remember like looking at it and thinking, I'm going to give this one last shot. Right. And so I, um, I open it up. And then I I read from the very, very beginning, like what my old sponsor said, like the very first page, you know, where it has nothing on it. And so for me, the first step was just, I was, I mean, I had to 100% believe that I could never drink or do drugs again. Like if I sat down with a doctor and they told me you have a 1% chance of being able to drink and do drugs again, I would have been like, cool. You know what I mean? Like there's a chance and I'd be out there, you know? And so like for me, the second step, I was just like, whatever, there has to be a power greater than myself. Um, I didn't have that many reservations um, around the higher power idea. Um, And for me, like, if somebody told me, if I had a sponsor, a spiritual advisor, and they said, you can be sober and happy and live a life beyond your wildest dreams, you just have to be Islamic, I would have been like, cool, how do you do that? You know, because I was just, I had no reservations at all. And so I, so and then the third step was, um, you know, making this decision to turn my will and my life over to a power greater than myself. And I just, and I'm sitting there, and it has it, in the book, it has the third step prayer, and then it says that uh, bless you. It has the third step prayer, like God, I offer myself to Thee, and um, and then it has the wording was quite optional as long as we express the idea, voicing it without reservation. And so I was just in that jail cell, and I just said, like, whatever's listening. Just please help me. I'm willing to go to any lengths. Like, take, take the bad. Like, for me, it, in the seventh step prayer it says take the good and the bad, but I, I didn't really believe there was any good, so I'm like, just take the bad and some good if there is some. <laughs> um, I'm willing to go to any lengths. And so I went, I went to sleep that, and I proceeded to read the book, but then I went to sleep that night, and, like, I slept like a baby. Which um, is really hard in joke because, like, people are yelling, and, like, doors are slamming, and giant keys are jangling. And, um, and so I wake up the next, and also I was on, like, hell sleep pills. <laughs> but, um, and, then I, and then I woke up the next morning, and I proceeded to read the book, and then all of a sudden I was like, like I don't feel like drinking or doing drugs and like the obsession was just removed from me and I have and I I still it's just all the program really and um I had that psychic change that the book talks about and I let me see and so I just took that and I rolled with it that was at 10 days sober the obsession was removed I had the spiritual awakening um, I felt God enter my heart literally. And I just, I, I just proceeded to just do what this book says. Um, I even wrote an inventory. Um, I did, I did like 10, 11, 12. Cause they say that you can do any step with a one in front of it. And so I, I got out of there. I was only there for three months and I got out of there and, or okay, before I'll back up, I was in seg and like solitary and, uh, for a month. And it was, I know this sounds crazy, but like I had a big book. I had, I'm not Christian, but I had a Bible and sometimes like, I see what religious people have to offer, you know? And so I was reading some of that and I was like, Oh, this is cool. And, um, I, and I had like whatever novel I was reading at the time from the library, but I just felt so close to my higher power and so happy in there. And it sounds crazy, but I was like the least loneliest I've ever felt in my life. And I was like physically the most lonely or alone I've ever been in my life. And so I, I get out of jail at a th- yeah, three months and I had no idea what God had in store for me. I just knew that I was going to keep rolling with this program. I found a sponsor with 18 years who I've had a really close relationship with since I've met her nine months ago. And, um, and she kicks my ass. She t- she doesn't tell me what I want to hear. She tells me what I need to hear. And she told me, she said, my job is to comfort you when conflicted and conflict you all comforted. And that's what she does. And so I did a fourth step. And, um, and I just put everything down. Everything that I could think of. Some things I didn't realize until later fourth steps to put on. But I did my fifth step with her. And... And the whole time I was doing my fifth step, I just kept saying, I don't know. You know, I don't fucking know. Like, what do I do? And so she goes, we're at, have you guys been to the Galano Club? Yeah, they have this, like, little waiting area outside the women's bathroom. And so we were there, and she goes to, um, to leave, and I go to give her a hug, and then all of a sudden, I was just flooded with all of this relief and euphoria. And I, like, fall back on the couch. And I go, I say her name. And I'm like, I feel it. I feel it. I feel the promises. And, uh, and she's just like, oh, God. And I really, did, I really did feel the promises. And it says in the book that we've had a series of deep and effective spiritual experiences that have revolutionized our whole outlook towards life, towards our fellows, and towards God's universe. And, um... And then I did six and seven there. It was really... And I've done, like, other... I've worked the steps multiple times, the sobriety, but this is my first time in sobriety. And so I, I just... I had the six and seven, and then I went out to go make amends. And this time, it for me, like, amends is a true attempt to not repeat the same behaviors, you know, and just do, do the right thing. And so I... Let's see... Yeah, and so I, I made those amends. I've been able, I've traveled, I've traveled. That's a huge thing, because I love traveling and moving around. And I went to Colorado with my um, my sponsor and my sponsy sisters, as I call them. Um, and we went to Colorado to a big book conference and it blew my mind. Um, I went to New Orleans in October and I went to a music festival with some sober friends And like, I I was at, I was out, um, I was waiting in line for some food and I met this kid and he goes, do you want any beans? And I go, what's that? And I knew it was like drug talk, but I go, what's that? And he goes like rolls. And I go, Oh no, thank you. And then we get out of line (laughs) and my friend says, did that bother you? And I was like, what? (laughs) Because I forgot. And he goes, well, that guy offered you some ecstasy. And I said, no. You know, because I'm I'm recovered. You know what I mean? Like, that shit does not bother me anymore. Um, And, like, I'm I'm able to go to bars and, like, shows. And, like, alcohol just doesn't bother me before. And, like, for me, that's all I wanted when I got sober is I didn't want... Or, sorry, I... I wanted the obsession to be removed. You know, I didn't care about being a good person or having fun um, or being happy. I just didn't want to feed all the time for drugs and alcohol and destroy my life. Um, and so, I'm trying to think what else. But yeah, I'm about to go to Colorado and on Sunday with some sober friends. Me and my friend who I met here. We. Like, three or four months ago, we decided when we were going to hit a year, we were just going to go to Colorado. And so we were doing it. You know, I'm able to do the things that I want to do. Before, like, I always would dream up, like, you know when you're on cocaine and you're, like, writing lists of things you want to do with your life, but you never do them? You know what I mean? And And now I'm able to do those things, which blows my mind. Um, I've had a lot of resentments that I've held on to for years and years and years. Like, resentments that I've had, deep rooted resentments that I've had against family members or people that hurt me when I was a kid. They just go away. And sometimes, like, I just I just realize it's gone. But other times, I can pinpoint the exact second that it's just removed. You know, I, I don't—I'm not run by a hundred forms of fear anymore. I don't really—I'm able to, like, relax and take it easy like it talks about um, my prayer life is on a whole different level. Like whenever I'm conflicted, like agitated or doubtful, I just pause. You know what I mean? And I ask God, like, what do you want me to do? And usually it, I it's like, don't be such a selfish bitch. You know what I mean? Because um, that's one thing is like it says now our job is to be of maximal maximum usefulness to others. You know, and once we have had like the 12 step, it promises you a spiritual awakening. Right, Uh, Having had a spiritual awakening as a result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to other alcoholics and to practice these principles in all our affairs. And like for me, the only thing I don't agree with in the steps is it says we tried to carry this message. I think it should just say we carried this message, you know, because because being of service has been been a huge part of my uh, my life today. Um, I do H and I's, I take meetings out to hospitals and institutions. Uh, I probably do two, sometimes three a week. Um, I'm the H and I chair for here and it's something I'm really passionate about. Like I just do it. Like at first it's like, I do it cause like, yeah, I want to spread the message. And I still, that's still one of my reasons, but I just do it. Cause it's like, that's just what I do. You know what I mean? I just help alcoholics. You know, that's my job today. I have this sense of duty today. Um, I have a close relationship with my twin sister, who we were kind of, And my dad and mom, like, when we, we had been kind of estranged um, when I was using or drinking. Like, I would go months and months without talking to them. Um, and now I have this amazing relationship with them where I can, like, call them whatever, whenever, and just be like, hey, what's going on? Like, what are you doing? Let's hang out. You know what I mean? Um, I have so many... I'm really close in this fellowship... Um, which is cool. Like I have people like sometimes I've been kind of busy, so I haven't been going to the noons as often. And also with South by, I don't really want to come down here, but, um, but I have people that are like, Oh, you haven't been to Bol. I haven't seen you around. I'm like, where are you? You know what I mean? Which is really, really cool. And, um, it's just amazing. Like, yeah. What has happened in this year? It really is, and like I actually, I know this sounds this sounds crazy, and but whenever <coughs> I whenever I was in jail, I I would write a lot of lists in jail, um, just because I I was bored and stuff, and I just write lists of like things I wanted to do, things I wanted to buy, places I wanted to travel, all that stuff, and so I wrote a list of things I wanted in my first year of sobriety. And like man, like I sold myself so fucking short. So thank thank you.